0: Hi, I'm Douglas Ferguson. Welcome to the Facilitation Lab Podcast, where I speak with Vulture control certification alumni and other facilitation experts about the remarkable impact they're making. We embrace a method agnostic approach so you can enjoy a wide range of topics and perspectives as we examine all the nuances of enabling meaningful group experiences. This series is dedicated to helping you navigate the realities of facilitating collaboration, ensuring every session you lead becomes truly transformative. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to join us for a live session sometime, you can join our Facilitation Lab community. It's an ideal space to apply what you learn in the podcast in real time with peers. Sign up today at voltagecontrol.com facilitation lab. And if you'd like to learn more about our 12 week facilitation certification program, you can read about it at voltagecontrol.com. Today, I'm with Phil Canning of Ally Financial, where he leads the company's Human-Centered Design Studio and Facilitation Practice, TM Studio. Welcome to the show, Phil.
1: Hi, Douglas, thanks for having me.
0: It's great to be here. I always love talking to alumni and hearing the amazing stories and great work that they're doing post-certification.
1: Awesome, yeah, happy to chat.
0: (laughs) So let's roll the tape all the way back to before certification. And okay. when facilitation started to even kind of come into your uh, purview, into, into your context of work, and I believe there was, uh, it came through by way of design thinking, mm-hmm. uh, your, your manager had attended a conference and you started to get curious. And so let's go back to that moment. Yeah. To what was it like there at Ally and, and how were things changing?
1: Yeah. So I was hired at Ally as, uh, the, the title was innovation manager. And I thought that's interesting. I have no idea what that is. Um, and little did I learn that they didn't really know what that was either, but they knew they wanted more innovation, uh, to, to happen. And, um, and, and a few months into, into the role, uh, my, my supervisor, my boss, uh, came back from a a d school workshop a bunch of the executives went out to stanford d school and took their design thinking workshop and they just came back fired up and said holy cow you know we're a we're a customer obsessed organization you know we need to be doing this we need to be applying this using it and i kind of just happened to be in a spot where you know, what are we going to do with Phil? Well, he is the innovation manager. Uh, you know, maybe he, you know, he needs to kind of like spearhead this effort and, um, and, and get training on this and learn more about it. And so, uh, that was really, you know, it was, it was a meeting one day where, uh, my boss brought me into her office and and we talked, uh, we talked about this conference and she was just elate, you know, just very inspired, very encouraged about sort of how common sense it is, but also just how effective it is. Um, it's kind of a, it was sort of a no brainer like, you know, we need to be using this. And so we, we basically were given the green light to spin up a, it's called TM Studio. Um, it's just sort of our human centered design studio kind of offsite. So we can, let's put a team out there, let's leave them alone let's let them use this framework and um, let's hand them some kind of different challenges that, that, you know, maybe the bank doesn't have the bandwidth or, you know, the, the focus to tackle. And so um, that's exactly what we did. We, we um, we got into a, a really small space, had a team of just four or five. We all took some design thinking training and then we just started doing it. It was very, grassroots very startup feel which i completely loved i never envisioned myself working at a bank my background isn't in banking and it was just like this it was like this liberating feeling of like here's a problem like go solve it the way you guys think it should be solved and and we did that you know we would we would walk the streets and literally interview people and build empathy about you know how do you manage your finances and how do you save and how did you choose your bank? And, you know, I mean, just all all kinds of just different questions that, that you can just approach, you know, anybody, uh, in, in Uptown Charlotte, you know, uh, there are a lot of other competing banks. So (laughs) we were a little concerned, maybe we'd run into some other folks, but it was a, it was just a great energizing experience. And we learned a lot. And we also had a bunch of success doing that. Um, so that, that was kind of the initial, um, lean towards design thinking. And so we were doing that for a while. COVID hit. We went remote, but we continued to, you know, um, work on a lot of different um, challenges for the bank using design thinking. And I started saying to myself, you know, we're just one team out working on these things one at a time. And it feels like we could have a bigger impact and help more people at the company use this methodology the way we're using it. And so why don't we start delivering training, right? Because, you know, design thinking is... Is, is a pretty like kind of basic framework to learn, but I think everyone has their own sort of style of applying it and that's dependent on things like the type of industry you're in and, and you know the team you have and the certain types of challenges you face and um, and just the culture of the company. You know, so we felt like, wow, we, we've ironed this thing out and we're clicking along really well. We know how to apply this, especially to banking challenges. Let's teach others, right? So that was like my kind of like my pitch to my group to say like, let's start, let's design our own session. So that really for me was the trigger that got me searching for different, like I need to learn how to do this. Like I I wasn't a facilitator, you know, we weren't like teaching design thinking, we were just practicing it. So um, kind of found uh, y'all, you know, it looked like a great program. I had taken some workshops with y'all before and then took the facilitator certification program And it just opened my eyes to like, oh, wow, this isn't about like just me learning how to conduct a design thinking workshop. This is actually just about how to help people in all sorts of different meetings and workshops and just help the company like work more effectively. So I kind of felt like I I'd stumbled on this this sort of treasure trove of like techniques and um, tactics that I could take even further it's like yes we're definitely going to execute on these design thinking workshops but i started thinking wow i could we could maybe do other things here right we could we could just help people with their strategy sessions right with when they're thinking about the next three years and we can help teams just make faster more collaborative decisions right like i mean just simple things like hey, instead of us just, like, arguing or throwing our opinions around in the room, like, let's all grab the sticky notes and, like, for five minutes, let's get our own ideas down. Then we're going to post them up and have discussion and start grouping. Like, just some really, like, basic techniques that I learned that have so much applicability to more running better meetings at Ally and and just teams walking away. It's, it's kind of funny. Sometimes I feel like it's not that impressive or like, you know, earth shattering, like these, you know, these techniques, but you'd be surprised how many people are walking away from meetings being like, oh my God, that was like so much better than anything we could have done. And I was like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not, you know, it's not rocket science, but when you just take the time to like apply a few of these, you know, facilitation techniques, it, it, it really can help people focus, help them make better, more efficient decisions and ultimately like feel like they're all bought in on it. I think that's another huge component um, Mm. is just feeling like they're part of the, the, the the decision-making process.
0: So tell me more about that feeling like they're part of the decision-making process and feeling more bought in is I think that's a really key point. And why do you think that is? Why why do you think there was a shift there? So I think,
1: um, and I don't know if, you know, maybe it's particularly in a corporate environment, you know, where there where there is hierarchy and um, it, it feels like, you know, the leader or the, the top manager um, is the one that makes the decisions and then everyone else just sort of follows on those decisions. But that's actually not the, the best way to kind of keep people like the people that are actually doing that work and executing on that objective or that strategy you know, they're going to be way more bought in if they feel like they were actually the ones to craft that strategy or come up with those solutions. You know, it's, I mean, it's basic stuff, you know, and just people just don't think about it enough because they're just trying to get things done, right? It's like, well, we just have to do this. And so you do this, you do this, and this is how we're going to do it. And it's like, they walk away feeling not very motivated. Like they feel clear on what they're supposed to do, but not super motivated. And so I think that's where facilitation has played a pretty key role in me helping just, um, actually leaders at the company, they want their employees to craft the strategy and to come up with the solutions because they know the work way better than those leaders. Do you know what I'm saying? So I think that's why that feeling bought in, is just a super critical piece to like executing on a strategy.
0: Absolutely. I mean, people f- had to feel like they were included in the process yeah. to feel a sense of ownership. In fact, I <laughs> at Voltage Control, I've outlawed the term buy in because it assumes that you're selling something.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. That's good. That's good. Well, I, I work at a bank. So, I, excuse uh, if I use some corporate jargon. I, uh, I'll try to refrain from (laughs) too too much of that.
0: All good. I'm kind of curious about, you were talking about in the early uh, days when you started to create the studio. Yeah. There was a small group and you went off site and it created a lot of opportunity, even going out on the street to ask questions. How has that evolved? Is it more than one cohort at the moment? How many people are going through the program? How have you changed or adapted it over the years?
1: Yeah. So we've we've stuck to believe it or not like we, we have not expanded um, a whole lot. In other words, we still keep a pretty small team that's that is at the studio, um, and that's extremely intentional. In fact, kind of just through like learning lessons, we we there was a time last year where we we expanded just through kind of various. Um, It's just sort of the way the cards were dealt. We found ourselves with a few more people at the studio. And so the team was actually getting a a little bit large. Like, I think we had a team of almost 10 people and it slowed us down, you know? So this is not one of these things where like, let's, can we add more manpower to move faster and all that? It's like, actually, no, the key is to keep it pretty small so that decisions can be made efficiently and quickly. And you can keep that bias towards action that design thinking is all about. You know, we um, always find
0: that seven's that magic number of, you know, having, the right number of people in the room. If, you, know, you can go a little bit below it, a little bit above it, but yeah. you start veering too far away from that and you get into trouble. And that's that's why I was curious if you had spun up multiple cohorts because uh, multiple small groups in parallel can still be poised for action. But it sounds yeah. like you, you've you opted for like, let's keep one group, let's keep them small and keep them nimble. Yeah,
1: we've, we've gone a little bit back and forth. Like after that group of 10, we said, hold on, this seems a little, we're moving a little too slow. We did actually split them up into groups of five so we've done that a little bit where we've had no more than two cohorts now Um, but you know it's just that's kind of our sweet spot right now and then from that I have kind of spun off what we're just sort of calling our facilitation practice right and so that's I made a couple hires to find people that particularly wanted to facilitate with me right and so um So there's sort of this training and education arm of the studio. And so we we're the ones that are kind of going out and and talking to other groups at Ally and um, kind of recruiting them to, to learn about design thinking and, you know, hosting those one or two day workshops. We have a kind of a variety. I have a condensed three hour workshop that. I can get more folks to sign up for (laughs) and, uh, and, and then a longer form sort of soup to nuts, you know, where we're literally cutting up cardboard boxes and building prototypes and, you know, um, you know, the whole nine yards of design thinking. So we offer kind of a variety, but that's in addition to, we keep the team undistracted and heads down working on one challenge at a time. Still, that's kind of our secret recipe. And it, it seems to work, Pretty well.
0: And so the facilitation practice is more about helping the broader organization understand these ways of working and that the learning piece that you were talking about.
1: Yeah, it's really twofold. So um, there's the learning piece where that's specifically about, it's more of a teaching workshop, like to learn human centered design. Um, And then the other piece of facilitation is just ad hoc hey, you know, there's a leader here that, you know, wants to have a big come together meeting with all of, you know, the the senior leaders in his or her organization. And they want to work on breaking down silos or something like that. You know, it's just, and those are sort of kind of the real where I get to, I get to really like stretch myself as a facilitator and, and design it from scratch and say, all right, what are your objectives? Like, what do you want to get out of this? Like, who's going to be in the room? Like, you know, when can I get in there ahead of time to make sure everything, you know, that's, that's really, those are kind of the fun ones where if I hadn't gone through kind of that facilitation certification program, I, I probably wouldn't have had kind of the confidence or just the, like, you know, the knowledge to say, well, let's just try this, you know, because I feel like I can apply Mm -hmm. some of these techniques and, um, between liberating structures and game storming is like another one of my huge like, you know, stringing together some different activities, um, and just and just seeing how to design these sessions is like kind of a really fun part of my job. That um, that that it's a little bit different than just the design thinking part, right? So that's that's kind of the neat like, oh, I and we can also do this, you know.
0: <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. I was wondering if the facilitation had started to show up in places other than the studio. And it sounds like it has, because earlier yeah. you were talking about people noticing the power of making decisions in this way. And then, and it sounds like there's some interest. How do folks in the organization find you and request these facilitation services? Is it word of mouth? Is there some way they can kind of sign up for you to come help them? Or how does that work?
1: it's still pretty ad hoc right now, you know, we're a small but mighty team. And so we are getting into kind of our official like learning and development system, you know, uh, so that my hope is ultimately we can generate enough demand where we can say like, Hey, we're going to hold this workshop once a month. You know what I mean? Like start generating wait lists for it and all that. Um, That's kind of like, you know, let's 2024, you know, planning, (laughs) let's say, but um, for now, we're so well connected. I think that's one of the nice things about ally is we're not a, we're not a huge bank. So I have enough connections at, in my position in the company that we, we touch all the different business lines, you know, we're we're a support function for all the businesses. And so, you know, we're able to really, um, garner enough interest with through just word of mouth right now that, you know, Hey, we can put together, um, uh, a, a good workshop here. I will also say a huge cohort of folks that we've had a ton of success with is early talent. So we've now, we, we put all of our early talent folks, like whether it's interns or new hires, or, you know, I just did, I did my largest design thinking workshop a few weeks ago with all of our technology new hires, right? It was like 52 people. And it was, uh, I mean, that was... <laughs> That was a huge group, but we made it work, right? We we split them all up into, into smaller groups and we ran through the whole thing, but that we've we found is an awesome way to bring people into the culture of this company is to say like, look, we're customer obsessed and we want you to be too. And like, what better way to do it than to say like in week one, right? You're going to go through all your boring onboarding and all that, but then you're going to take a human centered design class, uh, with Phil and his team and, you know, learn how to reframe problems, learn how to build empathy with your end user, whether that be the actual end customer or just some downstream receiver of the work that you do at the bank, right? Like it's all applicable, you know, like there's just so much energy and like so much creativity there that they, they just have so much fun with it.
0: Yeah. I feel like the curiosity is endless because everything they're in a total learning space, right? Because everything around is new and novel. And so you can't help, but be in the learning space, right? Or yeah. else you embed a function, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like even no, you don't even know where the bathrooms are. So e- literally yeah. everything's a discovery. Yeah.
1: They're not jaded either, right? They're not <laughs> they haven't been, you know, like in their job, just beaten down for years and years. And oh, what's this? The next, you know, uh process improvement, you know, du jour. It's like there's some people that, you know, that it takes a little more convincing, but um the the early talent coming into the bank are their guns blazing and like ready to do it and ready to apply it to their jobs.
0: Amazing. That reminds me of our pre-show chat and how we were talking about the workshop design canvas and uh, you had taken the workshop design course as one of your electives during the certification. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious how much uh, that influenced your development of this learning curriculum and how, and how you're even approaching these workshops that you're building that are custom.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely um, has helped me quite a bit. I would say even, um, you know, I think, I think once you I think it really helped me initially when I was really green and not like still kind of figuring out like, all right, I don't know how to design a workshop. And then like having some kind of a tool or that you can kind of work through um, was super helpful. I think the main thing I took away from that was, I believe it's sort of like you start at the end, right? Like it's always in all of our calls when we talk to someone about, you know, doing a session with them. um, And when we were thinking about designing these workshops, like what do we want people to get out of it? Right. Like what's the objective, right? Start there. You know, like let's not because I I can't tell you how many times I've been in, in that kind of initial call with someone where we start talking about, you know, maybe maybe a session is appropriate, but it's like, and they're like, yeah, so we have four hours on this day. And da, 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 And I'm like, you know, time out. Like
0: you're already s- yeah, like, what's the icebreaker? Like, they're so you're focused like, on logistics yeah, and the program. that's yeah.
1: right. They're like, we have this day and you only get two hours. And I'm like, okay, well, if you're only giving me two hours, like we can only accomplish that, you know? So it has been interesting to kind of, you know, you apply that, like start with the end, what's the objective, And let's work backwards, right? You know, so.
0: I'm a big fan of the learner aspect of it as well. Yeah. Because not only this objective that we're trying to accomplish, but often that can be kind of reductive or whatnot, right? Like if if everyone's always focused on objectives, sometimes we can lose sight of the people or the learners. So actually thinking about how do we want people to walk out of the space And then also very powerful to think about how they're entering the space, because then we can think about addressing the gaps. Because so many times people just throw these icebreakers out or this activity or this thing, and it's not really serving yeah. the needs of this group of people walking in with this state of mind, with this perspective, and needing to shift to this other perspective like if we don't focus on that gap and how we bridge that gap, we're wasting time and, you know, maybe like uh, sabotaging ourselves.
1: Yeah. No, I hear you. And I think as I continue to to build workshops and and not just build workshops, I think it's about iterating on the workshops you have, right? Like, especially with these design thinking workshops, they, you know, I generally know, you know, what I have to cover, but it's all of those like, how do you bring people in, right? Like being super thoughtful about every activity or lack of activity, if you wanna like, you know what I mean? Like let people think a little bit more freely and not feel like it is so rigid. I've, I love that concept of loose control versus tight control, right? Um, and, and allowing them the space to sort of like, all right, this is a new way of working, And like, just asking questions, I always allow plenty of time at the end of a workshop Mm. to just everyone, let's just sit in a circle and like, what stood out today? Like, what, what do you think of it? Like, you know, like, let's just pause and take a breath. I know it was a fast workshop, but what questions you have for me? And then just allowing people like, oh, okay, now we get to actually like process what we learned. And so many workshops, I feel like, you know, they don't necessarily like you, don't get to do that. They just end and then you leave, and you're like, all right, well, I'm not sure how that translates into like my, my real work.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, it comes back to the learning science and cognition and memory. And because if, if you give people the opportunity to reflect, right, then they integrate the knowledge more deeply. Mm-hmm.
1: For sure. I'm working on a design thinking workshop that's just focused on the first two phases of design thinking empathy and define. And there's a few reasons why I'm focusing on, I I created a workshop that just covers those. One of the reasons is on all the feedback, we always do surveys, like before people even leave, we have them take surveys on our design thinking workshops. And typically the ahas and the surprises and the delight is those first two phases. It's about, I never thought how important it was to think about the problem so much, you know? And it's like, Yes. You know what I mean? Like it's not that ideation and prototyping aren't important and all that, but that stuff is a little bit more approachable and like people, you know, it's like fun, you know, it's exciting, like coming up with ideas, like that's sort of human nature. You just have to give people some, some guardrails and like guide them through that. But like showing them the power of like, you know, interviewing people about their grocery shopping experience And, you know, thinking that they had all the like, oh, yeah, it's about, you know, long lines suck and this and that. And then they go and talk to people and they come back and go, oh, it's actually about finding healthy food to eat. Like, I I never would have thought about that, you know. And so they come away with these ah ahas that are really about really those first two phases. Right. Where my point there is, is that I I've kind of designed a workshop that uh, gives people a little bit more ability to sign up for because it's 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 not a two day thing sometimes in a like in a corporate environment like this, like convincing people to come over to your space and like hang out for two days and learn design thinking can be a little bit challenging, right? But a three-hour workshop where we can really like bang, 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 run through some of those concepts and then have like a good 20 minutes at the end of it to say, so what does this mean for you? Like, how would you apply this to your work? Like, could you do that? This seems pretty accessible, right? Like people always think like, ah, yeah, but how do I, what do you mean? How do you, schedule an interview and like come up with a plan and like build empathy. Like it's very doable. Like you can do this, you know? And so that's been a super powerful workshop that doesn't take too much time. And I can get people in and out and they really walk away, like kind of like buzzing a little bit on how they can just build some empathy and then reframe the problem. Right. And then come back and we'll talk and we can schedule an ideation and we can, you know, (laughs) like, let's, let's like baby step this, like, just start there. If I can convince you to just not jump right to the answers and the solutions, you know, I feel like I'm doing a good job.
0: Absolutely. In your alumni story, you talked about your partner in the program. We put students together and partners so they can deepen their learning by seeing the program through the eyes of others. Mm-hmm. And I believe you were it with Nina, and you talked about this kind of cross-industry kind of awareness, or, or there was some value of kind of seeing yeah. things kind of across these industries. I'd love to hear more about that.
1: Yeah. I wasn't even sure how much benefit I was going to get, you know, just from uh, talking to the other folks in the cohort, only because I wasn't sure. I was like, well, if they're not in banking or they're, you know, they're not in my industry you know, maybe it's not going to be as relevant. But yeah, Nina, um, we I think we were paired together because, you know, she had a fair amount of design thinking background as well. And when we started talking, you know, she said she has um, her background is works in education. So she, um, I believe, um, works in a consulting capacity for in the public school system out in uh, California. And You know, as she started talking about just designing design thinking sessions for where she would bring together students and parents and administration and um, law enforcement to come up with solutions on how to basically make the school safer, you know. And I was like, Mm. oh, my God, like this is, you know, it almost made me feel like, you know. What am I working on? Like, she's working on the really important stuff, you know? And just the way that she was able to talk about how important having a safe space is, like, it really opened my eyes of, like, because in a corporate environment, something you're like, yeah, yeah, you know, safe space. Like, we can all share our feelings here, you know? But when you hear it from someone like Nina, and she's talking about running a session that's pretty high stakes, where you're talking about physical safety in the school system and some of the kind of like activities and and the way that she made people open up and just have the facilitation chops to help people navigate those hard conversations. Uh, I just had kind of a newfound respect for her as a person and the power of facilitation, I guess, you know, I mean, it's, I'm not going to be able to recall, you know, exactly how she designed that workshop or anything, but I remember the feeling of, of how important she was conveying to me to, if people don't feel safe in that space, you're not going to get anywhere, you know, like you're not going to uncover the real problems and you're not going to, you know, you need to really think about where are you having these sessions and, who exactly is attending and even understanding some of the personalities ahead of time so that you can navigate that. You know, I mean, I don't even now, I don't, I don't have to worry about that too much, but I probably should work, like think about it more and be even more thoughtful about if I really want to get the most out of people in this session, maybe I need to stand up and say, you know what? Like, the leader of this group probably shouldn't even be here, you know, like, and there's having kind of the, the courage to, to stand up and say, like, if you really want to get like the right feedback, I think this is how it should go. And this is how I want to do it. You know? So, I mean, that, I don't know. It takes a lot of courage. And um, I just think Nina, it was like a really kind of inspiring conversations that we had and we're using the same framework. You know I mean? That's what I love about it. Like, so we sort of speak the same language, but completely different, you know, industries, you know, backgrounds. And, and, and that's why I said it is, it is just a framework and you've, you, you know, it really takes all of those being able to piece together the different facilitation tools in the toolkit to run that session effectively and make people feel safe so that you uncover The things that you need to uncover, right? I mean, that's really what you're trying to get at when you're trying to, what is the right problem to solve here, right? Like it's, you know, we can't allow the, just the loudest person in the room to just steamroll everybody. And it's the facilitator that has to manage that.
0: You know, I love the story because I'm a huge fan of drawing inspiration from other places or other industries. And in fact, there's this name for innovation that already exists that we're just going to borrow from somewhere else mm. it's called exaptation it's not quite recycling right it's like literally saying oh they're doing this thing over here i can totally do that in my context but in a different way and to your point you know the stakes might not be as high in an organization a corporate setting around safety and trust but it's still so essential because it's yeah. human nature right and so what are the things she's doing to make it work there that then we can be inspired by in our settings where it's not quite as demanding. I think that's really cool.
1: Just one other thing that that makes me think of is I think what is sometimes a problem in in a corporate environment is people don't want to be wrong, right? Like Mm. there's a lot of pressure on having the right answer. Right. And so, and that's, that can be toxic. Like that can be, So, so I, I see my role a lot of times when I talk about creating that safe space is just to let people like dumb ideas are great. Like, you know, sometimes you come up with a great idea because you started out with a really bad idea and you just flipped it to, to, to the opposite. Right. So yeah, I, I, anyway, I, I just think that's kind of like something I've really learned is that there, there is a lot of, um, the need to feel like you have the right answer all the time and i want to create kind of environments where we're just experimenting here right Mm. if we want to really get to the best idea or or you know or or solve this problem really well we need to just forget all that like let's not have those hesitations any idea is an interesting idea it's where where you start with that idea is probably not going to be anywhere close to where you end up But if you don't have that, that, that weird or, you know, strange or, you know, bad idea initially, you might not end up in a good place. So get them out. Like, let's talk about them.
0: Yeah. And it's important for leaders to foster that that kind of behavior. And that's why we talk about facilitation as a core leadership skill. And, you know, when you have environments where it's not safe to fail or we always have to have the right answer, then it's not a psychologically safe environment And we're not going to have great outcomes or certainly people aren't going to be doing their best work. It's incumbent upon leaders to create those spaces and, you know, get the best out of their teams and their organizations. And I think facilitation is critical for that. And, you know, it's kind of shocking that we don't see facilitation more um, apparent in leadership programs.
1: Yeah, I'd love to see more of that.
0: So now that you've seen the transformative power of facilitation and, and human-centered design and you know it's become a real central part of the work that you do, kind of, where do you see yourself in the next few years and, and what challenges do you want to explore more?
1: So being brutally honest, and workshops are extremely powerful and I've learned how to design and deliver workshops much better. Uh, thanks to your program and the guidance that voltage control is given. But I've also, I worry about workshopping people to death, right? And it's like, mm, what, ha- yeah, what happens absolutely. after the workshop? So when I think about the future, my kind of vision is to sort of expand the beyond, I, I've been kind of like my, my phrase now is sort of beyond the workshop, right? It's like, how can we help these teams implement right like how can we if i feel like if i can just get them taking the first few steps of using what they've learned in the workshops then i can help them take the next few steps and then the next few steps because it's it's very different going to a two-day workshop or a one-day workshop being really inspired and learning a lot of stuff and then going back and saying what do we do with this right and so i'm super excited to like lean into, it, it's a multi-pronged approach. I mean, you have to have these workshops to create awareness and understanding and excitement and um, to, to, to just convince people, right? Like even to convince the leadership of the company that this is like, wow, look at all the great feedback we're getting. Like people are really buzzing about this. They really want to apply it. And then it's like, are they applying it? Are they doing it? And Some are trying, but they're stumbling. And so I think I'd really love to maybe evolve it to maybe more a consulting model where we are doing design thinking workshops and and teaching kind of the framework, but then we're sort of coaching, guiding, working alongside teams to say, like kind of be that that human-centered kind of person in the room to be like, why do we think that's the case? You know, like, like stopping progress for a minute and being like, do we really understand that that's what the end user is struggling with here and and you know so so often people just jump right to the answer and start building a new feature or a new product so that's kind of like i think you can see my passion for that because i i i've i do see the value in the workshops and i want to just extend it now to say how can i how can i help them take you know and apply this yeah it's just i really want teams to to, to kind of walk the talk and, and be able to kind of operate the way we're able to operate at the studio.
0: You know, I love hearing this because it uh, strikes me as something that, um, it's, it's, you know, it's part of a maturity curve because often when, you know, people find facilitation, there's this, uh, you know, the maybe the embryonic state, it's like they saw a method. Or a system like design thinking or, or maybe that they just saw liberating structures and and uh, it's like, wow, this is a really, this is really amazing what it can create. And you know, the, the risk there is that they go off and that's all they ever do is liberating structures or yeah. you know, they're only doing design thinking and, or maybe even just two activities they saw and they just do that on, on yeah. like a tape recorder. And then then there's folks that start to uh, take a more agnostic approach and start to mix and match and and design more um, you know nuanced and more diverse types of experiences. And then there's this like next level, which you're describing, which is how do we transcend the workshop with our facilitation? Yeah, because the t- the, the tools, the techniques, the mindsets, how we're helping people come together and understand things in more micro moments. Like we don't have to have uh, three days. We can do this in a 30 minute meeting. We can sprinkle it in into like a 15 minute um, conversation because we've internalized it at such a deep level.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, it, it's sort of like deconstructing some of the process there, right? Like design thinking is different than talking about the design thinking process, right? Like it's, you know, and that's where once you really become kind of adept at that, you can just pull the toolbox, the tool out of the toolbox, you know, at will and, and do it. You don't necessarily have to say, hold on, we got to block out a week and do a design sprint and all that, you know? um, So I, I completely agree. It's getting people to just think more in this way to say, Hey, you know, maybe we should just have a quick meeting and time box it for 30 minutes and see what ideas we have, get some voting dots out and like, you know what I mean? Like just some simple techniques like that. Yeah, you're totally right. It's not like I don't have to try to move mountains. I could just maybe help encourage people to just, well, just try this activity and see how, what that gives, you know, and and that's powerful too, you know,
0: (laughs) or even just thinking this way or yeah have you stopped to rethink yeah. the problem just that question is facilitating right yeah it, it makes me think you know is yoda using the force or is yoda the force
1: <laughs> exactly yeah
0: it's like how much have you internalized things to the point where you're just like you're a part of it
1: yeah i love That's it. That's deep
0: awesome well <laughs> 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 we got there we did it phil <laughs> Awesome. Well, any last thoughts for our listeners before we wrap up today?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, I feel like by accident, I've kind of stumbled on facilitation. And, you know, I think if I was just going to like leave it, you know, people listening to with, with kind of one thing is to just explore what facilitation is, because it's not something that You know, oh, I'm not really a facilitator, so that's not something I I can do. If you learn these techniques, um, you can apply them like this. It's kind of like that when I was talking about the design thinking framework. It's you don't have to go to college to learn this. You can, you can just. It's just sort of like stopping for a minute to understand. Like, man, there's got to be a better way to like work, like you know, get this work done, and to to. Function as as a company or as a department or as a, as a team, and if just someone had you know some of those simple techniques uh, for facilitation, I think they'd be they would be able to help their teams move faster, come up with better ideas, have more fun, be more collaborative, um, and just just kind of enjoy the work more. Um, So I think I don't have necessarily a a nugget that's uh, earth shattering other than I I would just really explore what facilitation is all about because it's applicable in so many ways. I mean, if there's a grouping of people together, facilitation can help that.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Well, Phil, it's been a pleasure chatting today. and I want to thank you for joining me.
1: Thanks, Douglas. I appreciate it.
0: Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Facilitation Lab podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a review and be sure to subscribe and receive updates when new episodes are released. We love listener tales and invite you to share your facilitation stories. Send them to us on LinkedIn or via email. If you want to know more, head over to our blog, where I post weekly articles and resources about facilitation, team dynamics, and collaboration, voltagecontrol.com.